Hello, everyone. Happy Star Trek Day. My name is Joshua Gilliland, one of the founding attorneys of the Legal Geeks. My first mate this evening is Nari Ely, as we are here to discuss Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 3, a tongue twister name of Mining the Mind's Mine. Nari, <laughs> how are you? I'm doing great tonight, Josh. It's always good to get to watch a hilarious episode of Lower Decks and talk about it with you. Yes, uh, highlight of the week. I have my ceremonial root beer in the new Star Trek glass. Nice. And the ceremonial black licorice. So, <laughs> yes, very good. <laughs> I am ready to rock and roll in discussing Lower Decks. So first things first, have you watched any of the trailers or news that came out today? No, but you can, if it's trailers, you can spoil it. <laughs> yeah, so there's, there have been videos and announcements all day because it's Star Trek Day, the anniversary mm -hmm. of uh, uh, the Salt Monster episode, which again is a classic and raises a good issue about the duty to warn if, if you are harboring a salt monster that will just kill dudes because mm -hmm. it will shapeshift and appear, you know, as, as someone they want to hang out with. So here we are, uh, 56 years later to talk, or 57, to talk about uh, Star Trek. And today they showed a uh, trailer for Picard season three, with it, which is a total love letter to next gen. Looks very fun. And they also uh, acknowledged uh, who the engineer will be uh, in uh, Strange New Worlds. And uh, let's just say that she can have all kinds of whimsical one-liners because she has had that in the past. And uh, it is Carol Kane. So as the nice. engineer, yeah, I, I want her to yell liar at some point. <laughs> I just, <laughs> just <laughs> I mean, that, that might be, again, just too easy for everyone if, if she yells that. But uh, I expect a very spunky engineer absolutely we, we haven't had a female engineer before at least chief of, chief of engineering right there, there have been female engineers but not chief engineer i think i think that's right yeah that is uh wow good for them at first <laughs> yeah it's like and and a great actress to play the chief so uh, i'm very curious to see what they do uh with her character development absolutely but, that's a story for another day. What we get to talk about now is all of the legal issues that we could quickly see. And there's the trailer for Lower Decks. All right, so there are, there are psychic rocks. <laughs> Apparently, yes, psychic rocks. <laughs> that also seem to be alive because that's mentioned as well. Yeah, that part is not clear to me vis-a-vis -vis the breaking of the, the psychic stones, but yes, there's some some weird life status around that. <laughs> is it the is it inside, like the crystals that are alive, or is it something else? Not explored, other than we find out that these entities, I don't know how sentient they are, but they clearly can manifest. Mm-hmm. A fantasy or later as we find out a nightmare and turn that person to stone so we, we get a little medusa type effect i thought that might have been a little bit of a of a hat tip also to the salt monster in the sense of appears as your fantasy or something that you desire and then wants to touch you <laughs> yeah, and those fantasies are wild because yeah. there's all kinds of privacy issues that can surround that so let's first things first let's talk about the rocks is placing the fantasy rocks in a container false imprisonment? <laughs> and, and I don't know because they're toxic to send other life because they will cause the, you know, your dream to manifest and turn you to stone. That's an ultra hazardous rock in what it can do to people. So if they're alive, it's it's like a poisonous snake. You you don't want to mess with it. 
but you also can't leave it out because when you think of toxic tort cases, how those those issues attach to the land, like a, like a dry cleaner that had been in existence for 50 years, all the pollutants that are in the ground go back in time to every property owner over 50 years and every insurance policy that insured that chunk of land. The rocks can be moved, whether they're taken to a fantasy rock habitat where they will not cause harm. Oh my God. I mean, like it, it's more strange than the Horda. Um, yes. Their motives are inexplicable. We do not know why they're turning people to stone. No. Is it, is it just like, or at the, least unexplained, I should say. It's so, you can't mind meld with it because it will take out that individual in, in the process. So right. it's a strange new world. So, <laughs> uh, I do think there could be a toxic cleanup remediation aspect to this that was why our heroes are there cleaning up the toxic tort of the rocks that turn people to stone. Now, breaking the rocks because they play a basketball game because of ego raises an issue of negligent handling of said rocks. And do you have any thoughts on that or like is it negligence at this point because they're you know they're trying to shoot baskets with them or, or do slam dunks so if, if it's alive i think that's a problem well if it's alive there are additional problems uh which like we were talking about i mean you you could argue false imprisonment for putting them in the basket you could argue assault possibly murder i don't know if one of these died when they got cracked open <laughs> Um, setting aside for the moment that they might be sentient, um, I do think that there's, you know, and setting aside whether or not they're like, I don't know, are they an endangered species and this is taking them? <laughs> um, I do like where you're going here with the negligence. I think on the one hand, assuming a standard negligence, uh, are, are you default negligence standard applies? I think it, they probably are being negligent. So as loyal listeners of the Legal Geeks will know, the default negligence standard is a duty of reasonable care. Uh, you know, throwing around uh, crystalline uh, objects, let's say, whether or not they're beings objects that, uh, you know, can turn people to stone on contact and or manifest fantasies to, again, turn said people to stone. Um, you probably have a duty of care that goes beyond, yeah, treating them like basketballs. But I think something you mentioned before, Josh, is also helpful in this analysis, which is that the default standard of negligence may not apply if these are ultra hazardous materials. Um, the old, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe in the case of ultra hazardous materials, uh, the, the, the negligence is assumed if there is something that goes wrong and you have to essentially, uh, either rebut that or it's a, is it strict liability, Josh? Can you remind me? Strict liability. Strict liability. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's, it's the, I'm going to use dynamite to remove a tree stump and then it lands on a car after it explodes. Right. Your, your strict liability for that or or, you... or just the dynamite explodes when someone is using it in a mine and it injures someone uh, nearby because they failed to place adequate fencing or it exploded premature anything along those lines the idea being just that if there's something that hazardous we want to amplify the incentive that tort law places to take precautions so that you really can't let things go wrong like with, with ordinary torts, there's a certain amount of risk that a company um, or a person can tolerate knowing that there's a chance they might have to pay out if, if there's an injury. And it, with the case of ultra hazardous materials, we want we want there to be none of that risk calculus. Absolutely not, because it's ultra hazardous. Yeah, it's in the description. I think these fantasy rocks by their nature, ultra hazardous, because it turns people to stone. Now, how it With turns- the slightest to... contact. Skin on skin, you're done. Now we, we do see that someone can be brought back. Which is good, yes. Is good. <laughs> I was like, oh God, did they just kill him off? <laughs> he was brain dead for 10 minutes and he did see the koala. So there's, again, I, I do appreciate that running gag. <laughs> but there's there's a whole bunch of issues there. Now, let's talk about Tendi 
So she gets assigned to uh, the psychiatrist, the mm -hmm. therapist on board, who's a bird. So he's eating fried worms in front of her. And she, she's not a bird. That's fair to say. Yeah, is eating fried worms in front of someone negligent infliction of emotional distress. These aren't street tacos. This isn't something that we would find tasty. And Tendi is extremely polite and like not running away screaming. But you know, this this raise, you know, raises the test of what is negligent infliction of emotional distress. And to look at the uh, jury instructions, we have uh, Tendi claims that the doctor's conduct caused her to suffer serious emotional distress. Uh, to do so, uh, all of the following must be proven, that the defendant was negligent, that the plaintiff suffered serious emotional distress, and that the defendant's negligence was a substantial factor in causing plaintiff's serious emotional distress. And that can include suffering, anguish, fright, horror, nervousness, grief, anxiety, worry, shock, humiliation, and shame. Serious emotional distress exists if an ordinary reasonable person would be unable to cope with it. Nari, I have a chicken sandwich here. What's your reaction to this? Well, so this is a funny thing. Um, I, I'm personally fine with that. I can imagine somebody who maybe wouldn't be, uh, you know, not, not, not totally outside the realm of possibility that someone might be so morally uh, disgusted by eating meat that they would have been uh, distressed by seeing you with the chicken sandwich or you biting into the chicken sandwich. Um, but so I think it's important to note that, you know, I don't, First of all, I don't think this is rising to the level of substantial emotional or significant emotional distress. Um, probably not for within the Federation as well, where we've seen people eating gah for a very long time, yeah. which is, again, wriggling live worms, at least when fresh. Um, um, the other important thing to note is that in general, at least, um, emotional distress, be it uh, at least for negligence, is typically a it's an additional like theory of damages for an underlying tort action in order to present like only the infliction of emotional distress as your cause of action it has to be intentional if it's negligent it just adds damages and we can understand why that would be an important thing to do we don't simply want to limit people to only like the physical harms that they suffered um that are if they're caused by someone's negligence uh so in this case you know, I think that uh, there probably isn't an underlying tort of negligence, but even if there were, I think while this is, you know, she's experiencing the kind of like disgust and discomfort that any of us would, it is probably not rising to the level that it would be, you know, as you pointed out in the jury instructions, um, uh, 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 serious emotional distress. Um, I, as you mentioned, like, you know, fright, horror, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, it if he was eating an Orion's brain. Oh, oh dear. And there would definitely be an underlying cause of action there. <laughs> yeah, it's, that, that would be a problem. Uh, let's just say it's not an Orion's brain. It's a cow's head. And he's just chowing down on that because he's a bird. So like, say like he's kind of doing the vulture pecking at the carcass. That might be enough <laughs> at that point because it's, at that point, it's not the traditional way of anyone eating because it's it's a different experience at that point in time. Uh, while the Federation does have uh, a high tolerance level because you do have different cultures working together and some food might be poisonous to one species but not another and everyone still can get along and not die in the galley, it, it's... Uh, it's an interesting window to look mm -hmm. at because they're they're serving it. He gets a second helping, uh, but it's not like fettuccine. Yeah. Uh, anywho, let's take a look at the next issue. That's the big one, and that's the invasion of privacy. Which uh, there are a couple ways to to spin this uh, for everyone who's on the planet uh, mm -hmm. because. There's invasion of privacy, uh, there's disclosure of private information, 
um, there's a lot there. <laughs> so uh, can you help us understand some of these issues? Yeah. So the the what we're looking at here are the psychic orbs and their ability to, first of all, read and evidently record um, the thoughts of others. So that, I think, is the invasion of privacy. And then there's also the element in which they manifest the thought fantasy nightmare um in which that would be the public disclosure of a private fact now what to me is kind of interesting about uh that in particular is that a lot of the sort of uh other types of um torts related to this uh, typically require that uh, there be disclosure or publication of something false so that would be like defamation false light invasion of privacy is misleading uh, a publication um, but in this case what we're talking about is something that is true uh, the truth of the matter is not is not uh, at issue and the falsity is not an element um, and so on the one hand you know when it comes to recording it's I think perhaps an uh, unprecedented in our current timeline about a uh, non-consensual or unknowing recording of someone's thoughts. Um, but assuming that it does, um, it varies from state to state as to whether or not um, uh, the the recording someone recording someone else is required to get their consent prior to doing so um we refer to this as like one party or two or uh or two party consent states um so if it's two party that means that you know even if i'm consenting to the recording i have to get your permission josh um and uh in a in in a one party state it's just if as long as i know i'm recording and i consent to it it's fine um and so i believe uh which one is california josh i i, I forget Two, yeah. two party. Yep. Um, good to know. Not that not that I, I'm recording anybody, but <laughs> always good to know. Um, this stuff comes up more often because you like, you know, in order to even find out that someone has recordings, there's usually something else going on. This often comes up, for example, in other litigation and where a person has made recordings that show, for example, something at issue in the lawsuit, like that they, that, you know, that the person knew about something. So it shows knowledge or, you know, they were saying insulting things or whatnot um but they did so with like they made these recordings um over the phone without the other person's consent that's a common place where this comes up um uh so it, if it is in fact a two-party consent state and since they're california class ships i i guess california law would apply josh <laughs> yes that's an easy call i mean cerritos and carlsbad yeah let's just call a spade a spade Yep. And and assuming also that, which I think is fair, that recording someone's thoughts, if you could read their thoughts, would qualify. It's a, it's a little bit of a stretch, but. <laughs> yeah, because, again, look at what's being disclosed. Things that you find out that you, you get one guy who's afraid of cue the winged serpent. Yes. Come come flying in. Uh, the, the Klingon clowns with bat with arms. Totally yeah, that was that was scary. Yeah, it's rightly so a borg snake yeah all things or your fear of intimacy i mean all yeah or the fantasy so that's the interesting yeah. thing um and that's so moving so from moving from just the recording without consent um there's also uh just what's called public disclosure of private facts um it has its roots in common law i believe in california it is still common law but it's well developed and there are jury instructions um but so the issue is is like i was saying traditionally when you think about publication towards you're talking about false information here you're talking about true information but it's true information that is private so to walk through uh the jury instructions because they provide us the the elements um there are five elements um, to uh, public disclosure of private facts. Um, the first is that the plaintiff had a reasonable expectation. Um, oh, sorry, actually, this one is uh, this. Here we go. Um, uh, uh, that the uh, defendant publicized private information concerning plaintiff. Two, that a reasonable person in plaintiff's position would consider the publicity highly offensive. Um, three, that the defendant knew or acted with reckless disregard of the fact that a reasonable person in plaintiff's position would consider the publicity highly offensive. Four, that the private information was not of legitimate public concern. So this is sort of, you know, the part that makes this in line with the First Amendment. 
Um, and then five, that plaintiff was harmed. And sorry, it's six elements that defendant's uh, conduct was a substantial factor in causing the harm. Um, there is also then uh, when you go into, if, if you're obtaining sort of private facts from private places. Uh, so that was 801, um, if anyone is curious, the uh, eight, eight, uh, 1800 um, is intrusion into private affairs uh, is, is the five elements that I mentioned before. And those would be the plaintiff had a reasonable expectation of privacy um, in a place or other circumstance uh, that the uh, defendant intentionally intruded into that place. Uh, the defendant's intrusion would be, again, highly offensive to a reasonable person. Plaintiff was harmed four and five. Defendant's conduct is a substantial factor in causing that harm. Um, so the 18, uh, although I think the 1801 may apply more specifically here because it's not necessarily that they're invading a place. They're on an alien planet, but they are publicizing private information that um, undoubtedly a reasonable person would consider to be private, like uh, essentially sexual fantasies for both uh, uh, Rutherford and Mariner. Um, you know, Boimler's is maybe a little less sensitive, even though it's embarrassing, but yes, yeah, sexual fantasies um, uh, for, for the other two. Yeah, Reasonable people would consider disclosure of that to be very offensive. You know, I don't know what's worse, Boimler being so boring or it's like rides in the sidecar i mean like come on i know and i feel like that's also a metaphor for like is the sidekick in his own fantasy right <laughs> yeah with still dreams of being the captain but there's still a higher figure there to empower him uh, sure the little scooter does look like a little vintage starship i mean there there are cute elements to it but but that's pretty lame um, it is. I mean, a reasonable person might consider that to be highly offensive for that reason too. That'd be a question for the jury. <laughs> but um, uh, the the eighteen hundred though that I walked through that has the the five elements and has reasonable expectation of privacy in a place. Um, people might be familiar with a pretty famous case involving that, <laughs> um, which is Belia versus Gawker. Um, Belia, better known as Hulk Hogan, <laughs> um, in which essentially uh, to to give a super brief summary. Uh, Gawker published um, sex tapes um, invo uh, involving Hulk Hogan. Obviously, these things were not deep fakes. They were true. Um, but it was, again, you know, invasion of privacy in the sense of these were sex tapes in his home. He had a reasonable expectation of privacy there. Um, and also public disclosure of private facts. Um, and uh, uh, the jury in that case um, found against Gawker uh, for uh, $115 million in compensatory and $25 million in punitive. So it was really no joke. I believe, if I remember my facts correctly, that essentially ended Gawker and they never recovered from that. Um, so just as an illustration. One word, good. Yes. I mean, when your name is Gawker, that's not good for the jury. No. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, and I was saying before, at, at least with the 1801 in California's uh, model jury instructions, you know, it expressly makes a carve out for public interest. Um, but, you know, there's people's sex lives are not, generally speaking, a matter of public interest. Yeah, yeah, and there are, unfortunately, multiple sex tape cases. Then you get into the revenge porn cases. Yes all of which are horrible, all of which are, you know, go at them swinging. I mean, from I mean, when Kamala Harris was attorney general, like she cr created a division uh, for, on that and had an outside law firm helping put together material for it. They called me to talk about evidentiary issues and to which I said, the same rules apply. It doesn't matter. It's digital evidence is evidence so the the steps for admissibility are the same right we take it seriously because it's offensive right on such a colossal level and this no one's having sex however they're all getting propositioned yeah and, and like i said it's disclosing sexual fantasies even mm -hmm. if there's no like there, there, there's no visualization of sex. No. Um, most people consider their sexual fantasies to be extremely private, and most people would be embarrassed if those things were made public, um, especially in this way. Uh, so I think this would satisfy that, that reasonable person standard uh, for highly offensive. Yeah, agreed. And it's it's different since we have Dr. Leah uh, Brahms here. Yeah, there's another right of publicity issue there. 
you know, it's it's not on the holodeck, which was an entirely different thing of her walking in and finding that, which was bad on multiple levels. This is different because it's in his head and it's being broadcast out. So there's there's no culpability factor for Rutherford there. Involuntarily broadcast. Yeah, he would rather it not. <laughs> No, she wants. Let's go do math together. Like, let's, let's I, this was a hilarious scene. All of the tort liability notwithstanding. <laughs> <laughs> and with uh, Mariner and Jennifer, I mean, I'm a little annoyed that they decided to ship them because that was the. It's like not everything has to be a relationship. People can also just be friends. That's okay. But, which is which is what Mariner was going for. <laughs> she because we find out her deepest fear is commitment and growing old together. And uh, so it's like again, she's getting outed. That's something we find offensive. Mm-hmm. Also, I will note very briefly just because I, I just thought of it, which is that to the extent that what sorry, what was the name of the Andorian again? Jennifer Jen. Um, yeah. To the extent that Jen does not actually feel or think these things that she her her effigy is saying, uh, that could be false light invasion of privacy, which is publication of something in a misleading, either false information or misleading. Uh, so it it would someone is broadcasting the likeness of Jen saying that she wants to settle down with Mariner. <laughs> to the extent that that is false and mis- and or misleading, uh, there might be a false light invasion of privacy there. That and turns into a wolf that wears hats, like all of those things that yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. That was a, you know, it took a, it took a turn. Yeah. Why the wolf? <laughs> oh, I interpreted that the a lot of those nightmares were sort of merging into one another. So it was like a werewolf plus the original fantasy. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, that makes that, That's how I interpreted that, like the, the snake and the Borg and... Okay, and commitment and a werewolf. Okay, so there's... Yeah, what could be worse for a person with fear of commitment than a werewolf seeking their hand in marriage? A lot? (laughs) There's a lot. (laughs) Uh, A very violent werewolf is... (laughs) Indeed, indeed. All right, so those rocks are really dangerous. And then the question is, who's the defendant if you're going to go sue is it those who put them out are they naturally occurring who's the entity with big uh, big pockets to go after uh for for the wrongs that have taken place and i am not sure the answer <laughs> yeah um because it seems like the what were they the the rub, rub rubbles what were they called <laughs> I don't remember, but they wanted rocks. Yeah, that's the thing. So I assume they just have rocks, which means that they might not have deep pockets for going for damages. Um, And the scientists wanted more money for their experiments and other things. So they may not also have deep pockets. Um, You know, maybe some corporate veils to pierce or something regarding the backers of the scientists, but I'm not sure. (laughs) Are they hiding money? Like, how's the... No, I mean, Your they, Honor, I'm I'm broke, but I still get like twenty five million dollars a month in uh, royalties for everything. Right, but it goes goes to different corporations. It's very complicated. It's not. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, good good luck with that defense. So, <laughs> I think the better avenue here as maybe criminal rather than civil, given that you're unlikely to recover damages from these folks. And it is said also by Captain Freeman that a Federation tribunal mm-hmm. will decide their fate. So this is something that's the victims right here is making sure they never do it again. So there's at, at least a few criminal uh, provisions that this may be relevant to. Um, do you want to start us off with the first one, Josh? So there's because it can go a couple ways uh, because of the recording rock mm-hmm. uh so i think but before we we tandy gets challenged sorry you cut off for a second um yeah. I, so I, 
before I, we get into that. <laughs> yes. So uh, Tendi got challenged by her mentor to get the captain's attention. Mm. Which raises, is that an illegal order? I mean, because it just, it, it seems like a radically bad idea. And so I don't, it might be illegal on its face. To, uh, <laughs> although in this, I don't, I don't know. I think um, also, was it an order if it's like a mentorship program? <laughs> I mean, she's still getting graded. So like there's still repercussions. Yeah, but not everything with repercussions is an order, right? So like, for example, you know, when you're going through various this, this is an honest question, I'd have to get back to you, but when you're going through various training programs, um, things like that, there are lots of things that you're supposed to do or suggested to do, like, you know, in order to complete the pull-ups, you might need to train for a certain number of days or weeks. If it's suggested to you to do that, is that necessarily an order? Um, you know, I... I would veer on the side of this is probably a suggestion, not an order. Um, she doesn't have to be in this program. Um, and in fact, uh, almost quits, as we saw, because um, this is a selection program. It's not even a condition of employment in which she has to complete this training program in order to stay in her current position. Um, I, and then I'm not, I'm, still, I'm not sure it's unlawful on its face, just because, again, it is even if it's profoundly unwise. <laughs> um, and in, in this case, it ends up, of course, turning out to actually have been a good thing. <laughs> but because of the circumstances justified it. And I, I think that's the rub that she was taking uh, action as part of her duties. Now, the thing I'm curious about because she's in this program that's part of her career advancement. So it's professional development. I think she has a good HR compl complaint. That, yes, <laughs> definitely. You mean he hasn't read the instructions? What's this garbage about we're going to learn together? No, this is my career and you're eating worms and winging it. Mm -hmm. ah, ah, I see what you did there. Yeah, well, you know, it's still got it. Uh, <laughs> seems problematic <laughs> my, uh, for, for what they're trying to do. <clears throat> that said, oy, I think she should complain. Uh, I, I agree with you. Um, I think she should complain not only because this was a very unwise suggestion that had circumstances have been different, right, could have actually had negative consequences for her career and or Starfleet um, with vis-a-vis -vis the mission. Uh, I agree also that like if someone is assigned as part of a professional development program mentor, it's, a, it's an official component of the program um, and they're doing that bad of a job, like yeah, some, something needs to be done. And if she never says anything about it, 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 it won't change. Yeah, it's just, we're going to enable the ineptitude. And that's just the way we do business here. We let bad things happen. It's how people learn. No, not very Starfleet. <laughs> no, it's not. He's not in uniform. I don't know if he's doing the Deanna Troy thing. I assume it's a hat tip to Deanna Troy. <laughs> It's just, what's your rank, dude? Or are you just the civilian consultant who's on board? In which and case, it, maybe that's why it's not very Starfleet. It's, it could be. It's because like that does exist. Like the, I've uh, been going through some of my grandfather's material. Mm -hmm. And he, he has a commendation from the Department of the Navy signed by an admiral because of his work on the Polaris missile program. Mm because he perfected the guidance system civilian contractor uh, the other one he it's in a frame i'll put it up on the wall because it should be noted again another admiral commending everyone who worked on the first missile launch from the uss george washington it's like oh he was there that's here's documentation papa was there mm -hmm. so civilians can participate and have a role so is the doctor like a civilian contractor or is he an actual member of starfleet uh i don't know and i don't know if we're gonna find out yeah uh, just it's just what we got mm -hmm. it's just what we got but 
that rock that brings us to the rock that the captains are fighting over on trying to be more humble and it turns into a weird age age ism thing my generation doesn't collect mementos screw you dude <laughs> although i love how as it turns out in the end of course they were actually hero worshiping the cerritos so i i do love how if you go back and look at all of these statements if you interpret them in a slightly different light, each one of them actually sounds sounds perfectly benign. But in 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 the context at the time in which people were viewing them through the lens of these guys think we're uh, we're, we're less than them. Uh, it told that was clever wordplay, is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's politics and being smart. But when you find out that you have a group of a, a criminal conspiracy to capture state secrets so they can be sold, sold on the market, we've now entered the realm of criminal law. Yes. California has some rules with teeth because we don't like this. So there's recording without consent, the California Wiretap Act, which is under our invasion of privacy laws. It's California Penal Code 630. And there's a whole bunch of descriptive words that, that are in a massive run-on sentence. But if you use any device to record someone without the consent of all the parties, you get in trouble. <laughs> and uh, it can be a fine up to uh, $2,500 or, you know, time in jail or both. Uh, you get, there are federal laws that we'll talk about in a moment, but at a minimum, there's invasion of privacy issues taking place because uh, Captain Freeman will call her husband and they will have a husband-wife conversation that is protected under virtually every state in the union. That bad. Husband being an admiral, there could be other things said that turn into state secrets. Which brings up the Espionage Act of 1917. Do you yes. want to talk about that old beauty? Absolutely. So um, the Espionage Act is what we talk about when we're talking about national security information, classified information. It's the go-to for all of the crimes related to mishandling, theft, um, uh, of, of any of the above. Um, and now there's a few different sections of the Espionage Act that might apply in this circumstance. Um, the first is uh, 18 U.S.C. 793, which is gathering, transmitting, or losing defense information. Um, and this one is probably the safest bet for the Starfleet prosecutors uh, because we don't know yet, um, uh, although there, maybe there's evidence that they were already looking for buyers of who they were going to sell it to. Um, uh, and as I'll get into in a second, you could also argue that the, uh, the rock people were a, a foreign nation as well. But one of the safest bets is 793 because it doesn't require the involvement um, of a foreign power in the collecting or mishandling of that information. Um, and so uh, the most recent example of an actual prosecution involving this was the reality winner case in which uh, she collected and then disclosed information to the intercept, not to a foreign power, not at the direction of a foreign power. Um, and so that will be 793 because it, you know, th this is not necessarily involving uh, a, a, the direction of a foreign power or selling it to a foreign power. So that would be, again, this is, a, again, some incredibly long run-on sentences, um, but I'll try to truncate it. Whoever, for the purpose of obtaining information respecting the national defense, and note that this is information respecting the national defense, not calling out, at least for this section, specifically classified information, um, uh, with the intent or reason to believe that the information is to be used to the injury of the United States or to the advantage of any foreign nation, um, uh, uh, copies, takes, makes, or obtain or attempts to copy, take, make, or obtain uh, any, uh, let's shorten this one down to document, writing, or note of anything connected with the national defense. Um, and, you know, we see some things that uh, that are being recorded once they find the actual sort of repository that is plastered all over with Federation technology, um, some of which is apparently, you know, 
comedic, like uh, their uncle dancing drunk at a wedding, some of which though is specifically mentioned to be stuff that definitely falls into national security information or national defense information. And that would be uh, command codes, <laughs> um, uh, 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 personnel files on various Starfleet officers, probably like uh, ship deployments. Um, and as you mentioned, if they succeeded in getting that listening device into Captain uh, Freeman's uh, uh, chambers, or uh, uh, that would certainly include things like conversations with command, uh, fleet deployment strategy, all kinds of things like that. That is undoubtedly national uh, defense information. Um, so then you would also be able to perhaps bring in 794 because like I said, they may there may be evidence that they were planning to sell this to a foreign power. Um, you may also con consider the rock people that the Federation scientists were working with um, to be a foreign power, in which case they were acting in, in conspiracy with them. Um, and then the last one is uh, disclosure of classified information. So this would be if they this would be if they had completed their crime, because fortunately for our heroes, they they catch these bad actors um, once they have collected the information. But before they can actually finish by distributing it, selling it, broadcasting it. Um, so uh, 18 U.S.C. 798 is disclosure of classified information. Um, and that is uh, for the curious subsection A, whoever knowingly and willingly communicates, furnishes, transmits, or otherwise makes available to any unauthorized person or publishes or uses in any manner prejudicial to the safety or interest of the United States or for the or for the benefit of any foreign government uh, to the detriment of the United States, any classified information, um, and as um, uh, most relevant here, uh, concerning the nature, preparation, or use of any code, cipher, or cryptographic system of the US. United States or any foreign government uh, concerning the design, use, construction, repair of any device, apparatus, or appliance um, prepared or planned for use by the United States for cryptographic or communication intelligence purposes or concerning the communication intelligence activities of the United States. Um, so that would be, I think, uh, where we get into the command codes. Um, they are undoubtedly also trying to collect any other ciphers um, that, that are being used. Uh, uh, the, Th this this qualifies. <laughs> so had they actually succeeded, uh, Josh, do you agree with me that they would be on the hook? Yeah, absolutely. All <laughs> of the above. <laughs> there, there's no way around. that was their intent. This was the plan. Like there's bad. Like this is what they wanted to do the entire time. Yes. Um, and it's it's worth noting for the mishandling of 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 uh, national defense information. It's called mishandling for a reason because it's not just you know giving it to someone to the detriment of the United States. There's a, there's a subsection in there for losing it too <laughs> and things like that. Um, so you know, long story short, uh, if you work with national intelligence information or you know you, you receive it through some authorized means, um, and evidently there there's something on the order of uh, you know a million uh, contractors in the United States that have very some level of, of of security clearance to receive some level of classification uh, information. Um, uh, you know, mo those people know and, and should know <laughs> um, to, to handle that stuff extremely circumspectly um, and to follow all of the rules uh, regarding that to a T. We take it seriously. So I, because of deaths in the family, I have my grandfather's background check that he had in order to work on the uh, Polaris missile program and my dad's and seeing the interview process. I have a buddy who works for a government contractor and he list listed me as a reference. This is I don't know, a decade ago. Uh, and, and I was interviewed uh, to, you know, get background on him. You know, they ask questions about, you know, is he with money? You know, basically, is there anything that they can be blackmailed about? We take security seriously. So what this conspiracy was absolutely violates the law. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt it's bad. And it's a nice, clean, straightforward, you know, application of you're going after state secrets. Yes. Would, and I, I feel like it's worth noting because I didn't know before the, the penalty. <laughs> um, uh, 
so uh, for the first one that I talked about, which was the, you know, mishand I, I'll term it mishandling of defense information. Um, that one was she'll be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both. So we were talking about one year for the California wiretapping uh, criminal provision, which is still nothing to sneeze at. Uh, but 10 years, um, obviously a lot more. Uh, and then it's the same thing for disclosure of the, the violation of the disclosure of classified information, um, uh, fine under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both. Things that are taken seriously. Right, and, and rightly so. So in this case, these, these Federation scientists uh, who uh, didn't want to be part of Starfleet um, are, are more than perhaps bumbling and inept and getting themselves eaten by aliens, uh, but are, are up to definitely no good. And it's, it's real serious, real serious stuff. Yes. And told with great comedy. Yes. This was a, this was a really well done episode. <laughs> yeah, it's well executed. The music was familiar at the mm -hmm. beginning where the guy gets turned to stone. I can't place it. And that's the hazard with 800 episodes of Star Trek to work <laughs> from. It's like, oh, I know this. I don't remember from where because there's just way too much. Like there was, I was watching uh, the third episode of Strange New Worlds. And there's a reference to Persephone 3 which was one of the planets, which was the planet that they saved from the comet. In this episode of Lower Decks, uh, Boimler asks the Carlsbad crew about them going to Persephone 3. So we got very, all these deep cut references that it's like, oh, I remember watching, you know, this afternoon, it's like, oh, Persephone 3. And then I put on, you know, the Children of the Comet episode, and it's like, oh, that was random so <laughs> there's always going to be those deep cuts mm -hmm. always those deep cuts and that's part of the joy of the show absolutely so anything else jump out at you from this episode that we want to hit um other than there may be some medical malpractice in the method at least of amputation of the foot <laughs> i mean she, yeah there's a huge informed consent issue yeah uh she did sedate him, but he was still awake. So that's a problem. And, and actually there was, I mean, as far as we saw during all of these procedures, at no point where she's pausing to say, do I have your permission to inject you with the sedative? Do I have your permission to remove your foot? <laughs> that's being actively digested. Yes. So, so it, I'm pretty she's sure. actively trying to avoid informing him of the details of that. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> good to know she could grow him a new foot like that's handy. yes there could, the, uh, the well-known axiom although not necessarily always a legal principle of no harm no foul but <laughs> you, you can hear him scream yes and, you know talk and, about intentional infliction of emotional distress or negligent infliction of emotional distress she does put on goggles but you think there would be a face shield from the spray that would happen because uh, that's that's going to get messy. I, I don't speak from experience. But oh, thank I God. Have, <laughs> I <have seen> the <laughs> also, a chainsaw in like the 24th, is it 24th or 25th century at this point? Oh, Jesus. A medical chainsaw. Yes. So that's the. Wow. I mean, I get you might need it for if somebody's impaled. So phaser that, scalpels, man. There's got to be phaser cutters for this. <laughs> Medical grade phaser cutters. Just a nice clean cut. So you're not, but again, what's the fun of that? You know, I, she did, I mean, it could have been better if she told them to bite down on the stick. I mean, there's all kinds of look away, actually put him on under instead of having him watch. That's what I mean. I think you are really on to the, like, this is a great one for, for negligent or intentional infliction of emotional distress. <laughs> it's why we have informed consent and we sedate yes, people. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's really important to not be awake in a whole bunch of medical procedures. Yes. Uh, and, and just like, uh, 
on a slightly serious note, I have, as I usually say, whenever this comes up, informed consent is the touchstone of uh, the law surrounding medical practice in the United States. Uh, there are, of course, circumstances where it is not possible to get it, but the uh, laws, regulations, and ethical rules around this require the, the medical professional to make all practicable efforts to get consent either from the person or from someone who can give consent on their behalf or to determine that it is not practicable to do so. And here, yes, his toes are being digested, but he's conscious. He can give consent. <laughs> and the thing on his foot is making eye contact. So like there's a there's a lot going on right there. Um, I, I will say the image of Dr. Tiana with the chainsaw is something that I relish and will cherish forever. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful and pure uh, with like, let's just do something off the wall. And uh, <clears throat> the phrases that, that she says to Tendi, it's, classic so classic yeah. and th that's a plot line that i very much appreciated maybe uh somewhat specifically as a, a relatively young female in the legal profession having people who believe in you even when you don't necessarily believe in yourself um is 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 really helpful i think there's you know if, if people feel very confident and entitled to the things that the, the opportunities they're being handed they don't need that person in their corner to remind them that no i i nominated you for this because i think you're the right person uh but the, the, that hit me in the feels a little bit everyone wants validation and whether you're acting as the mentor or you know you're the mentee it's all good mm -hmm. like that's part of the circle of life like it's how things work especially on a starship so again part of the found family theme that's in all trek and always get to see a little character development in these episodes amid the hilarity <laughs> and just off the wall bonkers you know, a talking giant snake and <laughs> i want to grow old together i'm just all of classic and again, your fantasy is to go do math with a engineer. Like that's <laughs> it's great. That's great. That's how you roll. Cool. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Well, I'm, I wish I didn't. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, make shopping for you easier. <laughs> so, yep. The, oh yeah, manual. that's right. Got you a manual. <laughs> <laughs> Nice shop manual for '67 Corvette. Have have fun, like. <laughs> so there we go. All right, well, everyone, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back for She-Hulk analysis uh, soon. We'll have Andor, so there might be a period when we're doing three in a week. So buckle up, little buckaroo. It's and, a good time uh, to be a geek. Yeah, we live in an amazing time. There's material that we're not covering because there's too much and we all have day jobs we <laughs> have to work for food so we have people who count on us so there we are so with that everyone uh, nari thank you for your legal expertise to all of our listeners out there jack uh, wanted and anyone... to jack wanted to say, say hi <laughs> <laughs> and anyone with a cat uh stay hey stay safe stay healthy and stay geeky and Live long and prosper. <laughs>